Welcome to the REI Foundation Podcast, where we cover all the steps and strategies to make your real estate dreams a reality. Now your hosts, Jason and Peely. So do you fix and flip houses or invest in real estate or just want to get started doing so? Well, Alpha Funding has you covered with fast, flexible, and reliable service and rates starting as low as 8.99%. Fast closings, no tax documentation or bank statements required, no prepayment penalties, seasoning or minimum draw requirements. Alpha Funding, the softer side of hard money. To get yourself pre-approved today, go to alphafunding.com or call 732-657-2014. And hello again, and welcome to another edition of the Real Estate Investing Foundation podcast. Happy Wednesday. Very excited to have you here. And again, thanks so much for joining us. And if you like what you hear, please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and review. It definitely helps for our metrics. Well, today we have a great guest. We're super excited to dive into some really super topics we haven't focused on before. Ross Stryker. Ross, how are you? I'm doing great, Jason. Thanks for having me on. I hope I can bring some value to your audience today. You certainly will. I know that for a fact. And Ross is the founder and CEO of Smart Asset Opportunities. A little bit about Ross. After serving for 12 years in the military and over 20 years running a successful private practice, Ross realized that if he didn't alter his course, he'd be trading hours for dollars forever. Don't we all know that, right? And it was this belief that led him to launch a smart asset opportunities. And he's been involved in projects totaling over 100 million, owns 40 single family homes, 14 ATMs, a coffee farm in Panama, apartment complexes, office parks, storage units, and an ownership in a, in a Belizean resort. And he's living proof that your money is better off of Wall Street and you can achieve financial freedom. Well, that's a great intro right there. And so my first question would be is that you can't fall in love with your investments, but what's your favorite one of all those? Oh, wow. You know, um, I would have to say, if you're going to pin me down, favorite. You know, sometimes people say their favorite is what's got the most internal rate of return or, you know, oh, I've got an infinite return off of that one. <clears throat> I would say my favorite investment is the coffee farm in Panama because it's socially doing so much good and uh, good returns on the horizon and uh, returning money to the farmers in Panama, raising their lifestyle, helping their children get into school and um, out of the workforce at age 12 or whatever. So I, I like that one simply because it's nice to make money, but it's also nice to give something back. And, you know, I've got a gentleman that approached me about another one in Cincinnati that uh, I'm going to help him with a capital raise on that that is also socially great program that he does but it's a phenomenal cash flowing thing as well so it's it's nice to have both it's nice to have both I, I like those kind of projects well with so many projects under your belt when you had this moment that you just knew you had to alter your course or you'd be stuck basically of course as you said trading dollars for hours what was that moment and what was that first step you took to get out of that because I, I would assume there's gonna be a lot of people listening today that, are, that have that same feeling but just are so worried about taking that step well I, I think the first thing Jason is most people don't even know how to take the first step they don't know where to start and and I think we're all pretty much a product of the system. What's the system? The system is 
go to school, maybe go on to college, get a good job, and then, you know, work from nine to five, work your butt off and give your money to somebody on Wall Street and hope when you get to age 60 or 65, there's enough money to retire on. And it, I was guilty of that. I mean, I had good people. I had good advisors or good people, they, they, but they had a product to sell. And, and I was stupid because I mistakenly thought that my financial freedom was somebody else's job. My job was to run my business, and I did a good job at that. My job was to make an income. I did a good job at that. But as far as managing my finances, I turned that over to too many other people. And then the exit strategy out of that system is, well, once you get to a certain age, now you've got to be more conservative. And that generally means lower returns in their system, not necessarily in the one we play in. So when you start looking at those returns, three, four, five percent, most people that were in my situation don't have a pile of money, if you want to call it that, big enough to retire to a lifestyle similar to what they're used to uh, when they're working. So the aha moment for me was when I found there was a mastermind group that I could join that could help mentor me to help get on the road to starting my process of getting involved in alternative investing. And I hate that term because alternative investments, which just means real estate and other assets, sounds so nefarious. It sounds scary, like, ooh, alternative. That must be like blue hair or something like that. No, it's just stuff that we live in every day. It's it's agriculture. It's apartments. It's mobile home parks. It's things that we need and use every day. But you don't realize how to take that first step to get involved investing. At once, I realized that I could participate in that. I didn't have to be on the sidelines. That really changed everything for me. So networking, joining masterminds—that's what got me started on the road to where I'm at today. We're very big into masterminds, networking, and meetups. What what was that mastermind, and, and what was that feeling when you first got into it to to have that feeling to be surrounded with like-minded people? Yeah, the first meeting, and I I I don't belong to this group anymore, but I encourage people to join this group because it was a great great place for me to start. Uh, was called Freedom Founders, and it was a group. It is a group of uh, dentists, physicians, veterinarians, typically medical folks, but there's folks outside of that industry too. And they're basically connected with people that are involved in the real estate industry that have been doing it for years. And so basically it's putting your money to work with people you know, like, and trust that are doing the, the work, that are out there finding the opportunities. You've got the capital they need to provide uh, to make those opportunities happen. They've got the opportunities to put your capital use. So it was primarily focused around single family homes, duplexes, fourplexes, non-commercial projects. They've since graduated on to do other things. But for me, I saw a need that I wanted to get involved in more commercial projects because I too wanted to help other people. I'm, I'm free now. I, you know, I'm in my gym clothes now talking to you at 10 o'clock in the morning central time. <clears throat> and I have the freedom, like I said earlier, off the camera before we got started. I can live anywhere I want and work off a laptop. I want other people to have the freedom I have, not necessarily to quit their W-2 job, to do what they want to do. It may be more time with their family. I just got to reach out from somebody on our website today. I'm in my 30s. I've got a nine-year-old and another one on the way. I want to spend more time with my family. I've got other people that want to go on mission trips. They, they want to, you know, 
but I've got other people that say, I enjoy my job. I want to keep doing it. That's great. But have the freedom to do that if you wish, not because you have to. So for me, getting involved in commercial investments was important because I can't really scale a house. I can't scale a duplex, that kind of thing. So anyway, I got a little off on a tangent there, but that's where the light bulb went off for me was with that mastermind group. I belong to other mastermind groups now. It's really the way to go, Jason, as you alluded to. It's where you make it's where you make the connections. Like I tell people, on Wall Street, insider information will get you thrown in jail, but in real estate, that's where the opportunities are created. Yeah, absolutely. And that first commercial project that you got your hands on, do you remember? Can you give us a little guidance on what that looked like and how that felt as an opportunity? Well, again, it wasn't me creating the opportunity. It was me networking with people that were out there creating the opportunities. Now I create some of my own, but most of the commercial projects we've been involved in are private placements. They're syndications. So I'm involved in investing in apartment complexes, uh, office complexes, the ATMs you alluded to earlier, which is not real estate, but it's another alternative investment that, uh, you know, can be involved with a private placement. Uh, We're involved in mobile home parks, uh, self-storage facilities. Uh, We're currently developing self-storage facilities, opportunities for people to invest in. So, you know, again, it's about finding the people that are out there doing it. You can't be an expert in all these asset classes. You know that. You've got to dive down and drill down. If you're going to be the one creating opportunities, you can't be scattered five different directions and chasing every shiny object. But that doesn't mean you can't put your money to work with other people that are diving into that in detail, into that asset class. And that's what I like to do. I like to spread my eggs around in different baskets, different geographic baskets too, not just asset classes. So I like that diversity of investment. That's a great lead in, right? So some of the questions will come up that you're investing across so many alternatives. What metrics are important to you and how are you filtering through sponsors to find the right person that you feel is a good fit for you to invest with? Well, again, it comes back to creating a tribe. I mean, if you're part of a, look, not that this is 100% protection against having something go wrong because real estate investing has risk to it. So we should make sure right off the bat, we make sure your audience realizes just like Wall Street goes up and down, there's no guarantees in real estate investing. So, but the first thing I always look at is the people. It's not, it's not the bricks and sticks. It's the people putting it together. What's their experience level? Uh, and, then, and then being part of that tribe or a mastermind creates some protection too. Because imagine that somebody brought an opportunity to a mastermind group and they either didn't have everyone's best interests at heart, or they simply were incompetent. They're, they're not going to be part of that group anymore. <laughs> they're going to be asked to leave. So there's protection in the tribe. 100% protection? Absolutely not. But I also like to look at the experience level. What's the background of people providing these opportunities? I, I'll tell you another metric I like to look at is, where were they in 2008? Did they survive 2008? That's a good metric to measure people by. A lot of people fell out of the real estate business in 2008. They didn't survive it. It was survival of the fittest back then. When the money lending dried up, there were a lot of people that had to go away. A lot of people got properties taken back. So that's one thing to look at is experience level, how long they've been doing it. And uh, again, no guarantees in real estate investing, but that's, that's the first thing I look at. It's not a, I can guarantee it's not a pro forma. <laughs> it's the people. It's the people that are behind it. That's great. And that's great feedback. And for a sponsor who's listening to this and maybe they, they, they weren't into this space back in 2008, what are some of the viable 
qualities they need to show today. Maybe they just started three, four years. And yeah. Well, participate with people that have been doing it for a while. That's what I do. I mean, look, storage is something that we're providing opportunities in now, but was I doing storage in 2008? No, but I'm working with people that were. I'm working with people that have been doing it for years, okay? I want somebody, look. I want that third set of eyes, so to speak, looking over my shoulder. I want somebody vetting this opportunity. I want investors asking hard questions. I want them to really dig in. Now, the fact is, most of them don't ask enough questions. And I, I even did a blog a few months ago that said, I really don't want your money. I want your time to really look at things that we offer, to really beat it up, to really ask the serious questions. Like, how did you make this assumption on the vacancy? How, you know, you see these pro formas. <laughs> yeah, I, I love these pro forma. Yeah, pro formas to me are lie sheets. So I, I want people to really look at these things and say, is this, and, and the other thing is, is it the right investment for them? You know, we've got one coming up in Birmingham. It's a self-storage facility and we want people's money involved for five years. Well, for some people, that's not the right fit. Okay. For, and for some people, they need more immediate gratification. They need cash flow today. This is a ground up development. There's not going to be cash flow for 24 to 30 months. So it's not the right fit for somebody that's already at retirement. But for somebody that's a working dentist or engineer or professional that has W 2 income, might be the perfect fit for them. Delayed at the refinance, the equity bump at the end when we refinance, that five year play may be perfect for them because that may just play right into their timeline of when they're going to be getting out of their W 2 job. So anyway, you get me started on a topic, I go all over the place. Okay. Nice. But I'm very passionate about what we do. And um, so people need to make sure that they're asked if they want to become a sponsor of a deal. My advice is be involved with people that know what they're doing. doesn't mean you always have to stay involved, but the first one or two or three or four, you probably ought to play along with people that have been doing this a while. Yeah. Good questions are definitely the key, right? And you just have, and you may not know what the good questions are, but just read them and whatever questions come up, just continue to ask your talk track with sponsors so you can understand one, the opportunity and two, them and their viability and the opportunities. Great points. Uh, you, you're bullish on the, on the, the uh, self-storage space uh, through the opportunities and through the talk track we've had here. What, is some of the metrics you're looking for that you are doing ground up what is important for you in a market to say this would be a good opportunity for ground up self-storage uh, construction well first of all i would say ground up's not my favorite choice because construction costs are pretty high right now so if you're going to do ground up there's metrics that you have to meet like what are the rent rates in that area what is the you know there there's things that we look at in the self-storage industry how many square feet per person are there in a one mile, three mile, five mile radius? Because self-storage is a micro market. You can't say, oh, Phoenix is oversaturated with self-storage. Well, Phoenix is a big area, okay? But you might have a five mile radius where it's underserved. So, you know, a particular one is seven square feet per person is the national average. But if you go into a place that that five mile radius has only got four square feet per person, that doesn't necessarily mean that's a great place to invest because maybe every home in that area has a basement where they store their stuff, okay? So you also look at things like how many people are living in multifamily, how many people have basements. For example, Florida, most people don't have basements because of the water table. So there's a lot of things you look at. Conversion projects are a pretty hot thing that we're looking at now where you're taking retail space that's closed, Kmart's, Toys R Us, 
uh, pay less shoe stores now. I mean, they're too small for storage. But, you know, retail is dying right now. It's creating opportunities for storage facilities to go in, buy an existing building, repurpose it for storage. And then, of course, there's always a value add, like in any asset class, apartments or whatever, where you buy an existing facility that's been poorly managed, needs some CapEx, and you go in and improve it and add net operating income with very little work in some cases uh, because you, know, you got a lot of mom and pop situations out there. They're, you know, they're tired. They're tired of managing it. They don't know all the new things with social media and how to market their product. So there, there's opportunities across the board in storage. I would say new ground up development is the most risky. Um, and then I would say conversion projects are a good play and so are value add on existing. So, so for Alpha Funding product. Solutions offers creative financing tailored to your individual needs. Whether you're fixing, flipping distressed properties or building ground up construction, Alpha offers flexible financing to get the job done. With no minimum draw requirements, no prepay penalties, and no seasoning requirements, borrowers can create a construction loan that best suits their individual needs. Everything at Alpha is done in-house from the sales force to underwriting, construction management, and draw payouts. The team at Alpha works as a unit to best serve their happy family of over 1,000 borrowers. Experience the alpha difference today. Visit www.alphafunding.com or call 732-657-2014. Again, that's alphafunding.com and the number is 732-657-2014. There's nothing to lose and everything to gain. Alpha Funding Solutions, the softer side of hard money. Value add on existing, so... So for conversion project, is there a, a benchmark square footage or a certain number of, <clears throat> I, I would say, storage spaces that are needed for you in your mind to for, to, to pick up? Okay, so I, I will tell real estate agents or brokers that, um, that I talk to, I, don't even show me anything that doesn't have, to begin with, at least forty to 50,000 gross square feet. Uh, that's just a minimum. Uh, and the reason I don't like to mess around with something too small is, first of all, it takes very, you know, look, let, uh, and I know you're into multifamily, but think about this. Is it really that much more work to do a project or, you know, that's 1 million versus 5 million? Not, it's not five times more work, okay? So for every little ball that you're juggling, there's brain damage, as I say. And so, I would prefer to stay with bigger projects. The other thing about larger projects is you can get more capable third-party management involved. If you get something too small, you're going to be getting people involved in the management that they're not capable of doing what you want them to do because I don't manage anything directly. I manage the managers, but I don't manage anything directly. Um, I don't want to be involved in that business. That's not my wheelhouse. So to answer your question, it has to be able to get me to a certain number of units, a certain amount of square footage, and there has to be something in there that I say at some point we go phase one, we get maybe 300 units in, and once we're getting those leased up, we add another 200 or 300 units. Once we get to something that's 80 to 100,000 square feet, we've got something that's got enough capital coming through it that we've got good management in place and uh, it makes sense for me to get involved in it. So that, that's my metrics. That's what I'm looking for. But everybody's different. Everybody in the masterminds I'm involved with, somebody else might say, no, I like the small mom to pop ones. Um, I'll just find some local person that works at a church to come over and rent facilities for me part-time. 
you know, it's whatever, whatever niche. That's the, the, that's the beauty of real estate investing. There's not right. There's not one right way. You know, that's my way, but that's not somebody else's way. For property management, for self-storage, what is important to you? Well, that's a great question, (laughs) okay, because as you know, with any asset class, property management is probably the bane of my existence in any, it doesn't matter what we're talking about. They can mess a good deal up quicker than anything. So um, experience is important. But I will tell you, there's disruptive technology coming about all the time in every asset class, and storage is no different. And so we are looking at some technology things to manage things without boots on the ground, so to speak. Uh, when you think about it, do you really need somebody showing you around in a golf cart to rent a storage facility? Don't you think we can do that on our own? We can probably do that, and I'm holding up my phone. We can probably rent a storage facility based on a mobile device, okay? So I, I guess experience is still important. Track record is still important. But there's so many things happening right now that are disrupting the technology in that industry, and I suspect other industries, asset classes as well, that you're not going to see things managed the same way. And so the new the Latest project we're doing, it'll be remotely managed, people with experience, but still remotely managed. And, uh, of course, what does that do? It saves on personnel costs. What does that do? That drives up NOI. What does that do? That helps your investors get a better return. So you've got to constantly be looking for ways to give your investors better return with cap rates being compressed. Um, I'm, I'm always on the lookout for ways to help my investors get the best returns possible. I love that. And with everything going on, what direction are you heading on now? I would say in storage, if I'm going to put in a new facility, whether it be a conversion project or ground up development, and in some cases a value add, all this may not make sense in some instances, but my focus is on um, having facilities that have no manager in place on site. Um, It's all technology driven. Because while that might increase the expenses of going into the facility initially, as you know, the operational expenses are the, are the big key long term. If you've got something held for several years, and what are we going to be looking at on the back end when we refinance this or sell it at the end? Those expenditures that you're putting in up at the front will seem minuscule to what you're driving the net operating income on the back end to drive the sale on the back end. So uh, I'm looking at more and more trying to put technology in place to replace people. And, and it, it's, look, it's happening in McDonald's. It's happening with uh, Amazon delivering things by drones. Okay. I mean, we're replacing people with technology when we can to um, save on costs, drive up our net operating income and give our investors a better return. And, you know, in many cases too, Jason, I think a better product for the people that are being served. Frankly, do you really, you know, how many times you walk in a store, you really don't want to deal with somebody. You just want to buy what you want to buy and get out of there. Okay. And so a lot of times, you know, it's not like I'm some monk or something. I don't want to interact with human beings, but I think more and more, most people just want to get what they want to get and get on their way and be done with it. They don't want to spend a lot of time chit chatting over a cup of coffee. I agree. Good, consistent, repeatable service. And if you can provide that, whether it's, you know, through the person or through the, the activity, that that's key. 
especially yeah. longevity in the business. Yeah, and and you know, unfortunately, in the storage industry, most of the managers on site are underpaid people. Then you get what you pay for, Understood. and you walk into these facilities, and um, it's not their fault. They're not well trained. They're not supported, frankly, uh, well enough. And because they're not paid enough, they're it's probably a revolving door of people managing these facilities. If you've got something managed remotely by somebody who can manage multiple places from a command site, so to speak, mm-hmm. in other words, they're in a room where they've got monitors all over the room. They're managing multiple facilities. You can get more of a white collar salesperson managing that than somebody who has no experience. You're going to get the quality that you pay for. What is the next five years in your business look like? I think it's, in self-storage, but in specifically? No, no, just across your growth and your, your business yeah. model. Well, okay. I, I will tell you, um, I, I, am, I know we've been talking about the impending downturn for the last two or three years. Okay, I get that. But it's coming. I'm seeing cracks in the industry. I'm seeing people that I've been a private lender with that are not quite meeting the metrics that I would expect them to meet. I think we are going to have a downturn at some point. So for me, um, I'm keeping a lot of money that is liquid. Uh, well, you know, as liquid as you can be in real estate. I'm involved in lending quite a bit. Um, I'm involved in funds that allow me to get to that money maybe within 90 days instead of, you know, it's not like a mutual fund that I can convert it tomorrow. But it is real estate after all. But I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to dive in when, those, when that downturn comes. It's going to create opportunities. And for people who are willing to rush in when everybody's rushing out, it's going to create some great opportunities. So I'm just trying to create as many connections as I can today so that when that opportunity comes, and it will come eventually, that we're positioned to a place where we can take advantage of those things. Um, you know, people are doing stupid things again like they did before 2008. They're over leveraging. They don't know what they're doing. Um, So we'll see a lot of those people get their loans called at the five-year balloon and they won't have the resources to cover the call from the bank and that'll create opportunities for us. So I I know that sounds horrible, but hey, you know the old saying on Wall Street, uh, best time to buy is when there's blood on the streets. And so it'll come again. Sure. And for you yourself, Do you have some words you live by in your business or yourself? Words that I live by. Well, I got it on a wall. Yeah, I see. Yeah, I got Zig's quote there. So because it really is true. I mean, you can have everything in life you want if you'll help enough other people get what they want. You know, I've reached my freedom point already. I and I'll be honest with you, Jason, I'm really not trying to build my business. I, I had a we had a conversation with a business coach recently and I realized this isn't really what I want to do. I'm, I'm not trying to grow my business. <laughs> Honestly, if anything, if my wife has her goal, I'm going to shrink my business <laughs> because I, 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 I'm 63 years old. I enjoy investing in real estate, but, and I grew a business before to a pretty massive size. It's just not what I want. You know, I don't need that complication in my life. I got to the point where I had 24 employees, which is fairly good size for an orthodontic practice, which is what I was doing before. And I have no desire to go down that road again. I just want to help people in my little world. And if I can help some other people reach their freedom points so they can impact others in their lives, 
that's really what I want. So that's my business model right now, which I know cuts against the grain of most people. They're all trying to get bigger and add more people. I'm like, nah, I, you know, my, my team works virtually. I have an employee. If you want to call her that a virtual assistant in Florida, I have a virtual assistant in the Philippines. Shannon, who happens to be here in Missouri is usually virtual from her home. So, um, Again, I, I just I just want to help a small network of people, and if we can reach out and help somebody in your network, we'd love to do that too. Sure. So growing your life, and I think that's yeah, that's yeah, growing your life, whether whether yeah, you know, life is meant to be lived, and um, so I I'm I'm really enjoying having experiences um, now that I no longer have a business where I have to show up from eight to five, and I don't really want to do anything that keeps me from being able to have a life. So that, that's what I'm looking at. I know it sounds selfish, but um, um, I'm, I'm enjoying having experiences is what I'm enjoying now. Well, people are listening and being inspired today. If, if there's a person listening that says, I, I, I have to get myself out of the rat race or out of my point where I love my job, but I just need to find my, my way to grow my life. What's an actual step they should take today? Well, first of all, keep the day job. <laughs> okay, don't 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 mess with a day job. And most of the people that I deal with are business owners. So I tell them in that case, if it's a business owner, focus on that business because you know how to move the needle on it. And ultimately, it'll be a revenue source for you when you sell it in most cases. But if you're a W2 employee, Focus on that job, keep that job while you're then part-time learning and getting educated about real estate investing. There's, you know, there's so much, so many resources online or join a mastermind and spend a few days of your life each year networking with people because it is a people business. You can't do everything over the internet or on a phone call or some things you just have to be there at a meetup to meet people in person, but get educated about the terms too, because when you get started involved in real estate investing, it's going to become clear pretty quickly if you don't have at least a basic handle on some knowledge. Okay. And then the next thing is, um, take small steps. You can do private lending or you can be part of a syndication or a private placement. Again, many of your listeners are probably not accredited investors, but sometimes there's be a 506B offering out there that a non-accredited investor can get involved with. Um, so take baby steps, but take action. You know, learn is great. I, I get calls from people like, well, I read five books and I listened to 10 podcasts. I'm like, well, have you actually done anything yet? No, well, I'm, yeah. So you, at some point you do have to take action, but being a lender is a good place to start because you get to learn the terminology, you get to see the inner workings without taking the big risk of becoming the titled owner to a property or creating the opportunity. And then at some point you may want to get a little more involved with it or you may just choose to continue to uh, invest in other people's opportunities, but you've got to get started somewhere. And so, um, education, staying focused on what you're doing day to day, and then taking baby steps and getting started one step at a time. You know, it'll all add up after time. So anyway, I don't know if that answered your question. Sure did. Thank you, Ross. This is great. And if for anybody listening out there, what's the best way to find out, reach you, find out more about you? How's the best way to connect? Well, I always encourage people to go to our website first. Uh, it's smartassetopportunities.com. And be careful not to leave the E and a T off of asset because then it would be smart ass, which would be what I am a little bit, Jason. So there, hence the name smart asset opportunities, but uh, check out our 
information there. We've got a weekly blog. See if we're a good fit. If we're not, that's fine. If we are, reach out to me. My cell phone number's there. They're always welcome to call me. Um, for most, I don't give I don't give financial advice. I just try to educate people what's out there. We occasionally have webinars where maybe myself or another promoter that I have vetted uh, will put on a webinar on an opportunity that's available for people to get involved with. But again, those are educational. If they want to get involved in investment, they have to contact the sponsor for a private placement memorandum and the operating agreement, the subscription agreement and all that. So um, we don't, we don't sell anything on our webinars. It's educational. So try to make sure we're staying within all the guidelines of the SEC, but that that's a good place to start our website. And then if they want to dig deeper, they can give me a call. Awesome. Ross, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really great information. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on and I love the work you're doing. By the way, I got to say real quick because Peely's not on here, but I did, uh, I did take her create acronym that she had the other day and I, and I changed it to great. So, um, you know, anyway, I changed it to, I, yeah, I changed it to gratitude, read, exercise, affirmations, and then time for prayer or meditation. So I changed the spelling, but it still comes out great. So definitely. <laughs> That's great. I love it. All right. All right. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate thank you having me on. Good. It's all right. With the Real Estate Investing Foundation podcast. Again, thank you to Ross Stryker for coming on the show. And thank you to all the listeners. Have a great day now. Bye. Thanks for tuning into the REI Foundation podcast. Check back next time for more awesome tips and strategies to launch your new you in real estate.